In this installment of The Grind of Fine, transformational Christian mental health coach Keisha LaLuz Carter shares her journey beyond stage three cervical cancer, owning and spreading her light, seeking the promises of the Lord, and much more. So get ready to be illuminated by the light of this grind right now. family. Greetings and welcome to The Grind to Find. Terrell and Michelle here, certified spiritual mindset and wellness coach, helping high achievers find fluidity between their emotional, spiritual, and physical well-being while bridging the gap between who they are in service and who we were designated to be by our creator. You know, today I am in the studio with Keisha Laluz Carter, and I, I have to say, I've had the pleasure of having some amazing people sit down with me to do some really powerful transformational interviews. However, this interview was one that was definitely much more than what I expected for it to be. And you know what, actually, I shouldn't say that because I never go into any interview with an expectation. I believe in an organic atmosphere and for us to be able to just uh, share energy and just receive each other exactly where we are when we're occupying that space. And that's exactly what happened with Keisha. But I can say that this interview was one that was divinely ordained and the timing was divine because what she shared during the interview it just plucked so deep within me and just changed so much of the energy in my life uh, at that time. And I, I'm truly grateful for it. But you know what? Rather than me tell you about my experience, let me go ahead and give you the opportunity to be drawn into this experience, to hear her amazing story with just so much courage, so much depth, so much pain and fear, yet joy and light and growth and expansion. And it's so many different things all wrapped into one. So we're gonna glide right into this interview, but right before we do, I think it's only fitting that I let you learn a little bit more about Keisha LaLuz Carter. Keisha LaLuz Carter is a multifaceted and truly dynamic woman who is an author, speaker, and single mother of one daughter. Keisha is a refiner and developer of women as a transformational and Christian mental health coach by bringing light to every dark, dead, and dying thing within, a gift she would have to unearth and apply for herself during the battle of her life. After being diagnosed with stage three cervical cancer, facing chemo, then internal and external radiation, Keisha experienced the weight of low self-esteem, depression, and anxiety on a level she never thought was possible. Keisha knows firsthand what it's like to be turned up upside down, all around, and yet still have the desire to get up out of the pit and seek the promise of the Lord. This desire led her to start her nonprofit, Serenity, Courage, and Wisdom, followed by her for-profit, Hey Girl, You Got This. In many ways, Keisha radiates an energy of purpose propelled by a divine promise. I wanted to sit down with her to go deeper into what that promise has become and get an understanding of where she is spiritually today and what she does to keep the climate within prime for cultivating faith. Keisha, sister, 
Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me in TGD Studios today. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you for the invite. I'm so honored to be able to be a part of this. You're doing some amazing things um, with your podcast, and I'm, I'm just honored to be a part of it. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is it is my honor and my pleasure. And, I, you know, first and foremost, praise God. Stage three cervical cancer. Praise God mm-hmm. that, you know, you have been delivered from that. And, I, you know, your obedience in sharing your story, because I know. Well, no, let me take that back. I don't know. I can only imagine what it's mm-hmm. like, number one, to get that diagnosis And then number two, just the layers of self-checking that Mm -hmm. has to go on. The questions. I know you probably had questions for God. You're probably mad at God. You're probably like, what in the world am I supposed to do now? So, you know, I Mm -hmm. I definitely want to get I definitely want to get into that. But what I want to know is what was life like for you before Mm -hmm. the diagnosis I was in a place of speaking, like I knew I kind of had a direction of what my purpose would end up looking like, had an idea, but I was still searching. I was in a, in that space of searching. And so I moved from Miami, Florida to North Carolina to a little country town. So mind you, you know, I go from the city to the country and I felt this push to get me out of that city. And I'm so glad I did because I had just gone to the doctor the week I moved. And I said, you know, I had been diagnosed with the human papillomavirus, HPV. And I said, okay, doc, you know, I'm about to move. I'm going to, you know, I want to check and make sure everything's good. He said, yes, everything looks good. I said, you sure? He was like, yes. So okay. He, um, I said, you know, I'm going to assay you. Send my, you know, I asked them about the process. They say you just request your records and we'll send them. So I was at that place of, you know, my daughter was an infant and I wanted a peaceful, positive environment to raise her in. So I moved to North Carolina. And when I moved here, it was, it was like a whole transformation for me. I went through a total discovery of who I really am or who I was at the moment. And I was diagnosed with cancer eight months after being there in a new city. I was offered a job, thought I came to a city with a job and they gave it to somebody else. So I spent months trying to find a job. Uh, Nobody would hire me. (laughs) And then finally. So so wait, no, because I want because you said now wait, a couple things. So, okay. What, yeah, because I, 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 I have questions and I know a lot of people listening are probably curious too. So when you went to the doctor, found mm-hmm. out you had HPV, were you feeling well? Was this just a regular appointment you went to? You find out you got HPV. No biggie. No biggie. You do that on that. Not, mm-hmm. not a big deal. Okay. So this was just a regular doctor's visit. Just a regular to. checkup, you know, trying to get all my doctor's appointments, you know, before I moved to a new city and have to find new doctors. And gotcha. so, yeah, it was... A regular, um, I was going like every three months at that time um, to, just to make sure that the cells on my cervix were okay. Not knowing I had full-blown cancer and they didn't tell me. So, yeah. And so after 
being diagnosed. Well, after what happened was, what had happened was, you know, like this. Right. Because <laughs> you know was. it's a story when you hear yes. what happened. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I moved to a new city. And for a woman who is already uncomfortable with exposing your body in that way, you know, a lot of women don't like to go to the, get their pap done. So... I ask around for a doctor because I'm like, you know what? I, I think I need to go to a doctor because I started bleeding with intercourse. I, well, it was one time I had bleeding and that was not normal. And then months passed and I thought it was my period. And I started getting sinus infections back to back to back. He would, um, my new doctor would put me on an antibiotic. And next thing you know, I'm on it again. And again, I was like, look, this is not normal for me. Something's not right. I said, I need you to check me from the rooter to the tutor. I mean, <laughs> I want to make sure that I don't have nothing on top of, you know, what's going on with my body. So they were tested. As soon as he did my pap, he looked and he could see this. He, see, he could see the cancer with the naked eye, but he didn't tell me because he was just my general practitioner. You know, he looked and I was in that office for the longest time. He kept going back down there and looking. He called in his co-worker, a female, to look and he looked so concerned. And he said, when was the last time you had a pap? I said, just in August. He was like, are you sure? I said, yes, I'm very sure. I was there. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very sure. No, it was June. Excuse right. me. June. June. And here it is like between, I can't remember when I went. It was between November and January. I want to say it was January. And he, he was like, are you sure? And he kept, it was like, when I think back, my legs are up in the stirrups kind of right and his head keeps bobbing up and down like are you sure and I'm like yes what are you talking about like what's going on down there that's what I'm thinking like what is going on right you done brought people in to take a look and <laughs> right. you sharing yes why my legs is up what are we doing what are we doing what kind, of, what kind of doctor's appointment is this that's how they do it in North Carolina <laughs> right <laughs> I was like not worried but kind of concerned you know right he said well I'm hoping it's just um you know a mask that is um you know like um um my head is I'm forgetting the word but um benign like a benign but he called it something else okay and so like a fibroid or something like that okay Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, that's all it is. That's what I'm telling myself. It's all it is. You know, whatever it is, we can have surgery, remove it, and boom, it's done. I think this is the perfect space to take a quick pause so that we can digest this information. But when we come back, Keisha's going to walk us through the moment of confirmation of her diagnosis, what it was like to navigate treatment, and then stepping back into life, how that took shape after the fact. So you don't want to miss this. Don't go anywhere. How y'all doing? Y'all feel good? I'm gonna try this. Let's go. Just for me. i 
it don't seem fair Welcome. So, Keisha, I'm curious, what did the doctor say? He was like, you know, I'm really concerned. I want you immediately to go across the street to the hospital and get an uh, intravenous ultrasound. So I'm like, okay. 
think nothing of it. Now my mind hadn't gone. Who thinks that they are going to be diagnosed with cancer? Like who thinks that? I wasn't thinking that. As cervical cancer. Right. <laughs> so I go and get that test done. Then they schedule me for a doctor's appointment with the gynecologist. And finally go because I kept forgetting to go to the gynecologist. I was focused on my work. I went and the man, that was the first time I actually heard the C word. He was like, it looks like cancer. He was like, but we're going to send you to an OBGYN oncologist so that we can, you know, that's their specialty. And I was like, what is that? What's the OBGYN oncologist? I never heard of a um, gynecologist, oncologist. Like who, who is the oncologist? At that time, I never heard heard of it and at this time was when they were just starting those commercials about the vaccine the Gardasil um, around the time I was diagnosed with HPV but I hadn't done the research I hadn't really you know understood what this all you know these terminology what this terminology was all about so I went to the oncologist he confirmed to be stage 2B um, can I get a second opinion he was like he recommended it so I was that's when the oncologist said you know stage 2B um, I asked him could I have a second opinion and he you know he recommended he recommends that for all his patients anyway so I went to this other hospital had to drive a couple of hours away and they had a student and a doctor so I had two more people to confirm that it was cancer and that the mass was too big for me to get the cone because I was like well just cut it off <laughs> you know and so I could move on with my life well I was not a candidate for that they said the mass was too big my mom was there with me and they shined the light into my um, vagina where she could actually see the cancer with her naked eye on my cervix. Yeah, she could see it. She showed me pictures like we looked it up online so she could see like so I could see what she saw, you know, and we found pictures that looked just like it. And I was like, wow, this is real. Like this is for real. So I went kind of crazy, kind of like most people do. And I started searching on I was Googling everything and to the point where my mom was like, Kisha, please stop Googling. Like, just stop. And I was like... Because Google shows you all the worst of Mm -hmm. everything. It is not... Now, before you go, I I, got to ask this because your your doctor, so when you get to North Carolina, he's in there, he sees it, he bringing in a team, you got your legs up, you like, what they doing in North Carolina? (laughs) I don't know what they're doing. And then, so... At that point, because you said a little bit earlier that when you had the the HPV screening and you were positive, you feel like they knew then, but they didn't. So after the stage, after that, I had a surgery. They saw I was in my lymph nodes like a month after the second opinion. They um, upgraded me to stage three and they requested all this all this time from my first doctor's appointment up until this point. Here we are in March when I have my no March. I was diagnosed April. I had the surgery and they would not send my records from Miami. They would not send them to me. They wouldn't send them to my oncologist. They wouldn't send them (laughs) to my general practitioner. I had two hospitals in Miami to request them. People who I know that work down there, they would not, with my permission, I signed all of the documents and everything. They would not send my records. Period. 
five, you know, and I was like, I'm too, you know, focused on living and healing. I don't have time to be worrying about like, what am I going to do? I don't have any money to sue them. Like, you know, how do you sue a doctor? Like, you know, for your records, I didn't know what my rights were. Very um, ignorant to all of that to the medical industry period so um one of my nurses called I don't know what she said or what she did um somehow threatened them and somehow my records appeared and it showed no evidence of disease lies they needed that time to doctor that that's my opinion I have no evidence because they were faxed have no evidence I have no proof but I would call the doctor's office and the lady knew me. She knew my voice and I would say, um, you know, hello, you know, this is Keisha. Hey, how you doing? You know, talk it up. Oh, I'm just, you know, wanting to get my copy of my records. I'm sorry, I can't do that. What do you mean you can't do that? Those are my records. I'm sorry, I can't do that. Well, who who, who can I speak to? I need to speak to somebody because I, those are my records. So I went through that and finally, you know, like I said, they came and showed no evidence of disease and I had no way of proving. I didn't. And they still have the original records. Hopefully. You just got copies. <laughs> right. Well, right. Well, well, listen, you, you, you're, praise God mm-hmm. that you, you, so you get that second opinion. They update you. To stage three after the which surgery I'm assuming after the surgery. after the surgery so I'm assuming that when it comes to the the stages mm-hmm. there are certain criteria right. that you'd have to read uh, meet and I guess the, the the cancer being in your lymph nodes at that point is what made you qualify for the stage three yes Mm-hmm. So then you have this stage three cervical cancer, mm-hmm. which is cancer is big anyway, mm-hmm. but cervical cancer diagnosis. And so at this point, tell me about that spirit woman. What goes through you when your physical is just all over the place? And then now all you really have is connecting to who this spirit woman is and your creator. Tell me about that. What was that space like? Mm, I was at a place mentally where I had to rely on God completely, like frog it for real, fully rely on God for real, for real. Um, Did you know how to do that? At that I space? learned because, like you said, you were you were you you were seeking before you even got to this mm-hmm. point. You were seeking and you knew you wanted something and you, if you, honey, when I was seeking, mm-hmm. I was hitting the lick of the snake like my grandmother used to say and I didn't even know mm-hmm. it. <laughs> right. I, I thought I was really doing something, mm-hmm. but I really wasn't. It, 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 I know for me that um, um, becoming a woman who's deeper in God and really refining my God identity, I had to learn what that meant I had to learn how to do that so um how did that process of getting deeper and learning how to do that start for you where did you begin I feel like coming to North Carolina was my Damascus experience it was it was a season where I learned so much about myself about God and I actually got to the point where I was like okay God I don't know whether to trust the doctors or to try to figure out a way to do this naturally I don't know if what they're saying is true about fighting cancer naturally I don't have any the money to afford some of this stuff that they say to try to do it naturally so I'm like I gotta trust that what these doctors are telling me to go to get chemo radiation is going to do it I got a baby 
who's just turned two. I want to live to see her grow. And I just sat, sat so many times in, at the computer or in my bed and just was like, God, what do I do? What do I do? And it got to the point where someone that was diagnosed with the same type of cancer, she told me what she did. And I said, okay, I'm going to do the same thing. She sent me CDs um, with with scriptures, aff- scripture affirmations, healing scripture affirmations. She um, told me the songs that encouraged her, scriptures that encouraged her. She told me, you know, about her process and what she did. And she told me that the great deal of healing started with the mind and somebody else said it too. I remember them taking me to a church where I could hardly walk because I had to go into treatment right after surgery. So I had surgery for a hysterectomy, but they didn't take my organs out. They just did. um, They just moved my ovaries out of the way in hopes to protect them from the radiation that filled the radiation, but they still were impacted. So a month after treatment, I, I went into menopause and I've been in menopause ever since. I was 28 years old. So I'm young, you know, I wanted to have more children. I wanted to get married, you know, just was in that place where I wanted so much. I wanted a career. I wasn't happy with where I was in my career. And I was just like, okay, all I have is to trust God. So I I read my Bible. I was home by myself most of the time. My mom came, pick up my daughter, took her to school. And I they gave me a prayer shawl. I just slept with it. I left the home with it. And one of the things that they said was they, they took me to this church and they they walked me up and down this stage and praying for me. And that's when I began the serenity prayer. And I said, God, I can't see it. I don't know what it looks like. Is it growing? Is it shrinking? Like what's happening on the inside of me? And that's when, you know, he said, God grant, you know, when I started saying, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change, the courage to accept the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference because I can't change it. And so during that time, I, I started doing visualizations. I would go in to get chemotherapy and I still have moles where I got my chemo and um, I would visualize the blood of Jesus. I'm like, yeah, you got the drip drip. That's the blood of Jesus dripping in my veins. And I said, I don't care what you say about it, you know, getting the good and bad cells. I'm believing that the blood of Jesus is going to heal my body. And even though there were times where I doubted, you know, like, okay, what's happening? But I just kept believing something inside of me was like determined to have hope. Um, And so I would visualize the blood. I would go to radiation when they laid me on a table. I told them I only want to hear Christian music. I memorized the station. Every time I went, they played that same station and I would look up at the ceiling. They would have little pictures up there. I would close my eyes and visualize that scripture where I think it's Elisha. He laid on that little boy, mouth to mouth, hand to hand, foot to foot, and he brought him back to life. And so I said, okay, well, you said, I talked to the Lord just like that. I was like, you said in your word. (laughs) That by your stripes, I'm healed and I'm believing that you are going to heal my body. So you lay on me mouth to mouth, hand to hand. So when I laid on that table, that cold metal table for them to put that radiation on me, I visualized Jesus was laying in me and I said, you take it. Yes, I feel it. You take it. And 
that's what I did. I relied on him even during the pain. And it got to the point where I wanted to give up, honestly. There, towards the end of my treatment, um, I had treatment from May to July. And, you know, I thank God it wasn't as bad as some other people um, having to endure it for years going through that but I got to the point where the pain was so bad stayed in the bathroom to the point where my daughter imitated me throwing up my daughter two years old going to the toilet pretending that she was throwing up that's how much I used to be in the bathroom and I, I got to the point where I was like God I don't know how much longer I could do endure this pain I don't know but I thank God that at the end of that treatment when they said you know cervical cancer is one of the highly pre is one of the most preventable ones and highly treatable so if we can just do that the do the treatment is highly preventable I remember one time they they would um the internal radiation was the worst for me um and i remember having that session um i was preparing to go for that they would have to put me to sleep and insert stuff i won't you know be as graphic but they would insert stuff in and it was a metal rod is one of those things and it hurt <laughs> like i think they gave me morphine to endure the pain of that process and my doctor came in my radiation oncologist and he was i told him i say it's gonna shrink so fast your head's gonna spin and i remember saying that to him high on morphine <laughs> and he just looked at me and he kind of laughed and i tell you they went i went back and um one of those treatments they said oh we have to adjust it because it's shrinking faster than it normally is normally does so we have to adjust the tandem and void the the this little thing that connected the metal rod to my cervix so that they could shoot beads of radiation up to it and I said look God it may be a small little thing but to me that was a message that just as he told me, it's going to do something different than what they expected. And it happened. That to me told me that God was with me. And so just continuing throughout that process, Farrah Fawcett was dying on her deathbed and I turned off the TV. And I haven't watched TV hardly since, except for when my daughter wants to watch TV or something like that. I keep it off because at that moment, I wanted to visualize what I wanted to see. And that was to be here for my daughter, be here with my family, be here with purpose to give back to the world, you know, because I believe that's what God called me to do. Yes, yes, that is so powerful to make the decision to live in the space that God has called you to. Wow, wow, wow. And I want to hear more about that. We're going to take another quick pause. But when we come back, Keisha's going to expand upon what it took to stand in and own that space that God called her to live in and much more. Don't move a muscle. My God, my God. There were times when I wanted to give up on you. Believed you were there, but I couldn't feel you. Then you stepped in, you came to see me through You never left me Even though I made my share of mistakes I never paid the price that I should have paid 
You never left me, nor did you forsake me Lord, you never gave up on you me When I avoided your plan and I gave up and ran You kept me When I was sick in my quicksand Lord, you threw out your hand You kept me When I trusted in man, didn't give you a chance You kept me I've been in church all of my life I didn't learn your word but how to disguise I try to look good in other people's eyes But you still kept me Because of your love I'm running back to you Because of your grace I wanna say thank you Lord you're so faithful and I'm so grateful That you never gave up on me what it took uh, for you to be able to glide back into life after all of this. Just becoming acquainted with you, which I'm, I'm definitely going to get into that, how I, how I became acquainted with your, vo- <laughs> with your voice. Um, <laughs> because I believe that there's so much power in the way that you've chosen to use your voice. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all have different choices in, in how we... Um, how we are of service and how we choose to express and impact others but the way that in which you've chosen to use your voice is like none other that I've ever experienced so then you conclude your treatment they tell you that you're you're finished with that so then tell me after you finish that treatment what happens is it a waiting game are you going back and forth just to see if what they first of all how long was your treatment well how many weeks was it I always forget the weeks I just know 
um, I had surgery. I was diagnosed March 3rd, April 3rd, I was in surgery. In May, I started treatment and finished the in um, July 16th is my cancer anniversary is when I gotcha. celebrated. Um, so you finish treatment and then so what happens after that? It's it, is it just a waiting game to see how much of uh, what they give into you, your body actually has 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 taken right. on and fought the cancer? Or so what happens? So you that? you do you continue um, like depending on your situation because everybody's situation is different because some people have prior um, health issues and you have to consider all of that. For me, I think it was three months, six months, a year, you know, and where they monitored me, they checked on me. Um, I had bleeding after treatments. I don't remember if it was a year later. I can't remember right this moment, but it, I had bleeding and they told me, I went to the urologist and they told me I was going to bleed for the rest of my life. It was a lie. It was a lie from the pits of hell. <laughs> and I didn't come into agreement with that. And I'm so glad that I didn't. I, I, um, they gave me this pill and I took it and it made your urine red. And I said, I don't like what's happening. If it's turning my urine red, what is it doing to my organs? I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to come into agreement with this. And eventually the bleeding stopped. So I thank God that I trusted him with healing my body. Mm -mm. I think I took maybe twice, maybe once or twice. I didn't. I, I I didn't trust that doctor. He seemed like he really didn't have experience with working with a cancer patient like me. I went to the ER around that time, not the ER, to urgent care. And the doctor told me that I needed to go back to my oncologist because it looked like I still had cancer. He didn't know what he was looking at. I called my nurse hysterical and she was like, Keisha, he doesn't know what he's looking at. It's scar tissue around the cervix. It's not going to look like a normal cervix because of what treatment you've had. And so, again, doctors that have not had the refer me back to my oncologist. That's what he should have done, you know, instead of telling me something that, you know, having post-traumatic stress syndrome, like people don't realize cancer along with other traumatic experiences like that stays with you. I thought that I was going to die so many days. I just scared to walk out of the house thinking I'm going to get hit by a car, thinking right. I'm going to die in some form or fashion, you know, scared any little thing that happens the bleeding um anything terrified that oh gosh the cancer has come back you live with that you have to work on your mind you have to work on your emotions you have to work on your relationships loving yourself feeling that femininity feeling like something that something that you can't see to take all of that from you being exposed to strangers you know having a doctor he wasn't my doctor he came to um my um, radiation oncologist was out of town or not available and so here's this other doctor that came I was familiar with him but he wasn't my doctor and he was hanging out after they finished doing the radiation on me and here I am exposed my legs up everything and they had to remove all of that stuff from me and he was like oh do y'all need help no they have technicians females that are they got this 
um, are you sure you good? And she's like, yeah, I'm good. You can leave now. I remember that. I see his face. I still remember that. I remember them shooting those beads of, radi- beads of radiation and going behind the wall while I'm there exposed. And it hurt so bad. All of this stuff that was taken from me without my permission. You know what I mean? Without my permission. I didn't give cancer permission to violate me in that way. And that's something that a lot of people don't realize. The mindset, the emotional strain that comes after it's the life after cancer that people don't talk about you still it's the treatment's over but you're still living with the repercussions of what you've been through during that process and the fact that the the people working there it's a job Mm -hmm. for them and so you got all of these different people coming in there and I, i it feels to me like after a while they become desensitized to the fact that that is a human being laying there with their mortality on the line in question. And for you to just go business as usual, just hook them up and then go behind the wall and talk about what you're going to have for lunch, not even to cover them up, make them feel as though, you know, Mm -hmm. that empathy, that connection, that, that you're there. And so I really appreciate my, I thank God. um, Bringing that elevation was really good at it protect making me feel safe and like you said i can't imagine yeah. if it what if they they're not like her because everyone in the medical field is not like this yeah woman, you know the average person mm-hmm. has become desensitized they're just going to work it's just a job right they start off with these grandiose ideas of what it's going to be like to really help people and then once they're in a the position right. to do it because it becomes familiar to them it becomes regular to them it becomes routine for them it's kind of like if somebody's routine is to get up every day and go to their cubicle and be on a computer you know that's their routine Mm -hmm. but it's not routine for the person who's there this is the most challenging thing that they've ever faced in their life so then you get past uh treatment and now you have to go through living and during the course of that you made the conscious decision and were intentional about seeing everything that you've ever heard about God as true in your situation even though you wavered a little bit up and down so tell me about what it was like to get past the treatment start that process of connecting to God and learning how to build on that relationship so that Mm -hmm. Keisha could free herself from fear of what could happen again. um, The first church I went to, I, I didn't know that the pastor was discipling me. So she would sit and talk to me for hours about the word and about God and explain things and about the story. She would have her concordance and different books and show me different things. So I had questions that were, you know, had started from a child up until that point. And I would just ask them, you know, and I thought, I thank God that she took the time to share and she showed me what agape love looked like. She came to my house when I was in treatment and she saw what I was going through with my transportation breaking down um, from social services every day and in the hot sun (laughs) and so she set up a rotating schedule of people to take me to my appointments and back home an hour there in a 
hour back and sat with me for hours. They brought me food. They had a rotating schedule, people buying um, cooking food for my daughter and I. And they paid my bills because I couldn't work. And then, like I said, she took me and my daughter in like family every Christmas, you know, just treated us like love. And I said, gosh, I sat in my home and I looked at my, you know, thought about these people who just met me. They don't know me. So this is what God's love looks like. This is a God they love. I was like, wow, God, you're really showing me your love through these people. This is what it looks like. And after it was several things that happened. So um, I ended up going to another church. And it was at that church where I centered in on God even more. And I didn't care what anybody else around me felt I didn't care what other people thought. I um, I worshipped for real. I surrendered for real. And it was around that time that I joined a, a direct sales business. And I started meeting women who we prayed together. And so these women poured into me. They stretched me. They made me uncomfortable. They validated me. They affirmed me. It was, you know, the things that my mom couldn't give me. They poured, they showed me what strength of a woman looked like and felt like and sounded like. And so um, between that business and me surrendering, I started a women's ministry because I was like seeing how there were people who are hearing the word but not living it. And I saw a separation between um us getting the word and understanding how to apply it. And that was my question. I came to North Carolina wondering, how do I apply this word to my life so that I could truly live it for real? I didn't understand it. And yeah. so I started Faith Empowered Women Ministries. And after after that, I did a women's conference, Bible study every Thursday. And I studied the word. I mean, like God was stripping me from stuff, like ripping right. me apart and showing me me, showing me him, showing me his people, the hurting people. I started speaking in tongues and I started, like he started showing me, like I said, hurting people and I would walk up to them and it scared me because he would tell me things about them that was true. And and it got to a point where I just sat down because it I didn't know, I didn't know what was happening. I was like, Lord, what are you doing to me? Like, why is this happening to me? This lady went to hug me and almost fell out of the chair and you know it was just like little things happening and I said okay God I'm not equipped for this why did you call me what is it about me I, I, I was looking to man to help me with that and I sat down for seven years and then clubhouse came about and <laughs> here I am again Ah, good old clubhouse on the scene. Let's take a quick pause right here. But when we come back, Keisha's going to tell us the role that clubhouse has played in expanding her voice and more about how she shows up in service to other women all over the world. Next up, the Spoken Spotlight with Spoken Word Peace, permission granted. Don't go anywhere. Spoken Spotlight. Father, as I kneel before you, I feel as though I must have misunderstood the plan. 
I know my life is like putty in your hands to mold and that you hold the answers to all my questions and prayers. That the words of naysayers should never matter, since you are the creator. The chitter-chatter and hypothesis exists for those who struggle to believe. But I do. Still, I kneel here confused and quite frankly a bit pissed at you. A rebellious people Israel has always been indeed, and as the seed of my ancestors that called down Yahshua's blood on our hands, I know and understand the curses of Deuteronomy 28. There will be no way to put to bed the suffrage you promised from your hand in the midst of history and my reality today. Still, how much more do you expect me to withstand? To believe is but a part of the journey with activating faith being the other. Then, to be patient and long-suffering is the cover for the two. So in silence as I battle doubt... Fear, regret, and grief, I am supposed to wait with certainty for you. Because Because it is is your your timing that matters, and your way which is always righteous and done with your love for me and mine. Still, Still, I can't help but feel as though time, here on earth, isn't working in my favor as I fight for my life. I long for a fast-forward button so that I can immediately savor the safety and peace of knowing I'll still exist at the end of all this to share a testimony here on earth. Even knowing heaven represents a rebirth into a magnificence I cannot begin to comprehend, I am not ready to begin that journey. Swallowing words of doom that feel like they are being booted and then in my mind planted, I need to be cleansed of this roller coaster of suspense. Then I heard you whisper, permission granted. I realize my access to you was never interrupted or delayed. The enemy played the card that works with many, but this daughter ain't just any soul to be poked and dragged. I rose to give honor to the king of all Israel, thereby ensuring I bore the tag, displaying the debt that was paid. So the serenity prayer became my sight in what seemed like endless days of dark, cradling your word in my chest became my ark to ride through the waves of pity and blame, through devastation to my my surprise. From my lips in the darkest hour, all I could remember was your name. Although I never knew the plan or the how for my part in your story for my life, I clung to the desire to be your bride no matter the destination of this ride. And as the diagnosis shook at the core of my being, you managed to bring me to a space of all-knowing and seeing, of belief in what I knew you would do and bring me through. What was once devastating became the beacon that led me to the truth. That is you. And like you promised as you calmed my mind and renewed my faith, you came through. And even as I stumble, you continue to. Lesson. The toughest trials of the flesh are but expressions of a spiritual war. Where Yahweh presents himself for use, just bring a mere mustard seed and kneel before him in faith, and he will produce your answer, even in the face of cancer. Come with what we desire and a belief in the covenant made when the Messiah was sacrificed for you and me. Let your belief ignite your faith, and behold, the hand of Yahweh as he sets you free. Permission granted. Hey girl, you got this, is your ministry. It is a beautiful thing. And that, that's actually how I I come to connect. I Listen, I don't even <laughs> do Clubhouse like that. People have been trying to get me to. And I don't know why, because I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a talker anyway. <laughs> but what had happened was, and you know there's a story, <laughs> what had happened. <laughs> I was up one morning. It was five something. And... I don't know what I was looking for on my phone. I don't know. But I accidentally hit oh, yeah. Clubhouse or an mm-hmm. alert or something. I, I just accidentally hit it. And you, you're you on, yes. at, I think it's like 6 a.m., right? Yes. Okay, so it was 5-something. It was going on 6 a.m. It mm-hmm. had to be 6 a.m. by that point. I had never heard of, hey, girl, you got this before. 
I don't know nothing about none of that. And I just happen to hit a button and I go into the room and I hear your voice and people, Keisha, just the whole energy that she brings into, Hey girl, you got this. And I don't know, it was something about her voice and I went in there by accident. Usually I'm looking, trying to do the little peace sign so I can get back out and do whatever it was I was (laughs) supposed to do. But whatever happened, you said something and I could not leave. And so I said, okay, well, I guess I'll stay. It's 5 a.m. I ain't got to start, or 6 a.m. I ain't got to start doing what I'm doing for a minute anyway. And it was just um, one of the most dynamic shifts that I'd had. I think it's one of the best things that's happened to me in in 2022, coming across, hey, girl, you got this. And so, um, oh, and I I have to say this because we're talking about your journey with uh, cancer. People, she was uh, diagnosed in 2009, 2022. 13 yes, years yes, thank you right? God <laughs> got it yes gotta make you. sure I say that so yes no you, you, you're welcome and, and then to um, that event in your life being the catalyst for you really submitting yourself to learning not only God but learning mm-hmm. who you are in him because I think that's 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 the biggest thing so uh, talk about um hey girl you got this what is that and and what is your absolutely you know I failed to say you know I I wanted I started in my nonprofit after a vision in 2009 to help women like myself going through treatment and using the creative arts as a form of therapy and expression and um, just being there support for survivors and caregivers and it evolved or whatever and I would do journal workshops and things of that nature but what happened during the course of those 12 years right 11 11 12 years I um, was like you said learning to love myself I wrote a book called love after cancer because I learned to love myself after cancer and it was to 2020 was a time where I went through so much stress, just like a lot of other people. And at the end of the year, I was I was seeking to trust myself more, to believe that's my word God gave me in 2010. Believe, believe in you, believe. And at the time my job was so stressful and my supervisor who was actually one of my best friends she would always say Keisha you got this Keisha you got this and I think one day when Clubhouse came about um, I was like someone once told me whenever something comes about try to get in it at the ground floor and so here's Clubhouse I'm trying to get in it at the ground floor but I was scared I trusted myself again not knowing what was about to happen and I said, okay, well, I kept hearing, hey, girl, you got this. Because I needed to hear it at that time. I started this journey of, hey, girl, you got this. Because I needed to be reminded that I got this. And so after fighting with myself for three days, I was like, in order for me to do this, I'm going to have to schedule it. I scheduled it. And the room evolved from affirmations to talking about stories from my past to mindset, emotions, emotional intelligence, to, you know, allowing God to open you up, going on that operating room, going to the operating room and allowing God to operate on you, mind, body, and soul, to becoming archaeologists 
and going to the excavation site, which is that site where they, you know, that they call the digging site so that we can dig and go into those deep to the deepest parts of ourselves and uncover those artifacts, those wonderful things that God put on the inside of us that we have yet to discover or we might know about it. Somebody has even told you, but you are spending so much time doing everything else or not believing in yourself enough or loving yourself enough or or taking the time to discover who you really are. So that's how, you know, it evolved. And over the course of the year, I would see see us, I would visualize this these conversations happening in person. And I was like, you know, I would love to bring this to a city near you. And that's where the tour came about. And now here, we're about to have the first one, May 14th. And I don't know, I'm just looking and expecting to see um, God show up and show out. And I see us not only having the, hey girl, you got this tour, but hey girl, you got this experiences in different places, in different cities where we come together as women. I always say it's not um, just a movement, it's a lifestyle. It's a mindset, something that we work on each and every day to be transformed in our mind. And so, you know, these, hey girl, you got this experiences is so that the woman can look at herself, stop everything and take time to work on her so that she can be that woman that God called her anointed and appointed her to be so that she can go out and and accomplish those goals that she's put on a back burner for everybody else but know that she has everything on the inside of her God has equipped her before she was born with everything that she needs but sometimes you need that in encouraging loving environment that safe space where you can be your authentic self and, and, and know that, you know what? I can't do this. Hey girl, you got this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> she had me uh, in her, in the room. Um, it has been a week yeah. or two. I, my time is always off because yeah. I'd be doing so many different things, but uh, she always sings the "Hey girl, you got this," and actually put me on the spot. I said she didn't got me up in here Come on singing. <laughs> it's, it's, okay, that's what it's done. It's awesome, it's man. I, you a know, lot of I, the women that come in there, yeah, they they they've been stretched out of their comfort zone, and some of them came hurting, and now they feel free. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. It is because and it it, it um it's impossible to come into that space and sit on mm-hmm. the sidelines for long. It really is. And I think it's because just the energy of the anointing and the freedom that other women experience from witnessing um, their sisters anointings. Yes. And, and, and I love the fact that because it's safe, experiencing those anointings in the most imperfect spaces that everyone happens to be in but it's okay because that imperfection that is a human condition it's not something that's specific we take it and and judge ourselves and make everything about something that's wrong with you know it's something wrong with Tarolyn it's something wrong with Keisha not understanding that in order for us to have the depth of the kind of uh community the kind of relationship excuse me that God wants us to have with him because without that relationship with him, we really can't mm-hmm. have that love for ourselves. We really can't have that acceptance for ourselves. I think that once we understand that 
not only is this stuff a human condition, but it's necessary when we talk about refinement. Mm -hmm. That's what that means. You need those things within you that make you feel uncomfortable, that make you judge yourself. If you dealt with self-hate, if you dealt with whatever emotion you can attach to it, that is necessary for you to learn what it means to love yourself Mm -hmm. and love yourself because God does. You know, a lot of the times we hear that stuff and it's, it's superficial. It just hears like, it, it mm-hmm. sounds like buzz phrases. Like, is that really a thing? Like, right. how do you really do that? Well, the how, the how you do it is to embrace yes. what scares the <laughs> yes. freaking heck out of you. That's how, the how is to walk through it, not mm-hmm. around it, not dress it up, not make it look like something else. That's the how. So before... You and I came on air today because we've mm-hmm. talked a, a few times before now. I told you that there was something that I wanted to ask you that I wanted to talk about and I wanted to do it organically. So I refuse <laughs> yes, to tell you what it was before we came on today. And it, this is this is a moment of transparency for me because with me being a professional mindset coach, having clients and people that I work with, people and, and with you in service the way that you are, we're, we're just in, you coach too, we're, we're in service. People think that because we're proficient at certain areas um, right. that we teach that we don't still have right. things that we're challenged with. And I don't care how proficient you are in one or two or three or four areas or however many of there may be. We are multifaceted creatures and there's always work mm-hmm. for each and every one of us to do. So I wanted to go um, because I have the type of relationship that I have with you and I 100 um, percent trust uh, mm-hmm. you with this. I'm going my my thing has to do with um I say no cross no crown mm. all the time and I I want as I think a lot of us do I want to get deeper with God I want to get deeper with Tarolyn but if I'm completely and totally honest and I, I ain't got no choice but to be and transparent I am terrified of the cross I never wanted to be the woman who had your story I never wanted to be the woman who, you know, you, you're around and when people are telling testimonies, mm-hmm. they have some insane things that they've lived through. And I always said to myself, I don't want that. Not like anybody does, but specifically, I don't. Can I just get to where it is that I want to be in God and get to know him and who he says mm-hmm. I am without that? Can my story be one that mm-hmm. does not include that? And so my question for you is... Throughout your journey, have you gotten to a space where you're less fearful of the cross because you've overcome? That's a good question. Question, And I would say no. <laughs> because I, I, you know, the cross means different things to different people. Um, I've had a heavy mantle that I've carried since I was in high school where people saw something in me that I didn't see and then I saw it and I was like I don't want to see it because it seemed too big for me and what I had to learn is that it's not for me to carry that cross is not for me to carry and so yes it scares me however I think this time around you know like I said I sat down I stopped doing ministry for seven years and this time around I have a support system. I have people in my ear that encourages me when I'm feeling doubtful or when I'm scared or when I want to give up. I think it's knowing that 
that level of fear is not even complete fear as though um, it's, it's more so of I feel like it's something that keeps me humble and keeps me at the foot of the cross that keeps me in a place of wanting to surrender and be um, completely naked before the God before God um, I think that if you ever get to the place where you're not afraid then you've arrived in a sense and I don't think none of us ever will arrive you know I think that keeps us in the awe awesome you know like that awe what is the word um an awesome wonder am I saying that correctly where you're like wow God you did it again in my weakness in my imperfection you know with my flaws you still show up you still are here with me so I don't, I don't know if we'll ever, you know, if you have a genuine love and a desire to want to be better and a desire to want to be more like Christ. I don't know that if that would ever go away. Yeah. I, you know what I, and I, 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 um, I receive that. I believe that to be true too, because I mean, if it ever goes away, then why seek God? Right. There's no point, you know, and that's, I think that's why. And I think for me, one of my fears about whatever, his cross would have been for me if it had been something as big as what you went through I always worried you know would I be one of the ones that would make it you know and I think that's that's one of those types of things I'm like man if I'm ever called for something that huge would I have what it takes and then just in talking to you because your first man goes to what would I do I I and that's the whole point yeah. to stop making it about you because it ain't about what you're going to do. It's about what he's going to do. And if whatever his will is to be done, then that's for whatever his yeah. plan is. And we, you know, we and I be think okay with that, that way, a lot so. of times yeah. we think about the cross that someone else is, you know, you might have gone through something. If I'm not mistaken, you have gone through some things that I don't know how I would have been able to endure it. So your cross is not going to look like my cross, just like on the cross. You had two people on the sidelines on their own cross and they didn't look the same. And so, but, but they both, they all felt those nails. They, they all felt it. They all felt the same. So we have, our crosses may look different, but I think it is how we endure the cross you know what posture how are we going to show up while going through I think that that's what it is for me I can't even imagine having to go through that again I don't want to but I often think about that how will I show up through it I know that I'm I'm selfless I'm gonna be thinking about other people (laughs) while going through because I did that while I was going through but I think that going through our own cross whether in our mind, because some of us endure stuff mentally that we have picked up on our own, <laughs> or if something that has been put up on put on us from somebody else, some things we've caused, some things that others may put on us that we have no control over. But at the end of the day, I believe God says, I don't care how many times you've fallen. I care about how many times you're willing to get back up again. And that's what I think about every day. I missed the mark. Something I didn't do that I wanted to get done. 
And I say, God, today I'm going to try it again. I'm going to try again. Show me, help me. Right now, if you look at my calendar that's right in front of me, it says, I trust God. I trust myself. I trust my team. Because that's the mindset that I need to have right now with what I'm working on. I trust you, God. I woke up in the middle of the night saying, I believe God. I believe myself. I believe, excuse me, I believe in you, God. I believe in myself and I believe in my team. I trust you, God. I trust myself and I trust my team. And sometimes we have to lean on him. And I say, pull on that Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us. It was sent with a purpose to comfort, to guide, to intercede. But we forget that is there. Lean on it, pull on it, because that's what it was sent for. So that cross that you're bearing, he has given you everything that you need to get through it. Mm, amen. Mm-hmm. I love that. What is, you, you're always, um, we're always right. on a journey. I think all of us. What's something that Keisha knows to be true about her today that she didn't know five years ago? I didn't know I was, you go through cancer, yeah. I can't even tell you how I went through that. But the battlefield of the mind, to me, was worse. It has been worse than going through cancer. And God has shown me that I am so much stronger than I ever thought I was. I'm a lot wiser than I ever thought I was. I'm capable. I'm more capable than I ever thought I was. Anything you can put there. It is so much more in me than I ever thought I would could ever be. And this past year just showed it to me. It just showed me that I do, I have, I have so much, so many artifacts. I just have to be willing to trust. Um, I have this new series called Ore, O-R-E, and it is a mineral like copper, right? Again, digging, going into that being that archaeologist. And he said, I want you to open up that's the O. I want you to release, let some things go, and then you can allow me to enter. Now you can receive. So you have that ore, that those artifacts, those minerals, those parts of you that is so like precious. He rich. He 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 um when he looks at us, he can he he has an awesome desire to like he marvels at us like when like how I look at my daughter or when I held her in my arms for the first time like wow this is my baby girl and I see that when when I read the word and he says how he looks at us how he's watching his word the word that's on the inside of you to see that it is performed and how he he just loves us so much that in itself is like, gosh, just imagine all of the good things that he has for us. And it's already on the inside. We just haven't discovered it all yet. You think your best, you've reached your best. You think you've done all that you could have done in your life. You have reached the highest level of success in your life. You've had the best relationship. No, guess what? He will give you more, even more than you could imagine or think that's what I'm looking for that's what I'm expecting to see in the last five years I would have never thought that I would be sitting right here 
before you're talking about, hey girl, you got this, and that I will be traveling all across the United States and the world so that I could pour into the lives of women, whether they are in a place of beginning to love themselves or they're in a place of wanting to discover all that's on the inside of them, or maybe I wanna, they wanna take a leap of faith and go out and do something that they never thought they could do. We're all, like you said, we're in so many different places in our lives, but each and every one of us has something that we can pull on out of us that we never thought that we could do. And that's what I believe, hey girl, you got this. It's all about transforming the lives of women all across the land. <laughs> Absolutely, child. Listen. I'm, I'm say, I do. <laughs> I do a lot of interviews. I really do. I I do. I do a whole lot of them. But this is the first time, you know, y'all, this is, um, of course, Keisha and I can see each other. And this one, uh, this is, this is unfortunately going to be just audio. Well, no, I don't know that it's unfortunate that it's just (laughs) audio because I have never cried this much doing an interview. Uh First time, child. But, you know, it's a cleanse is always amazing Mm. because what comes from the heart reaches the heart. And that's what you do. You don't know Mm. any other way. They, um, God told me that (laughs) I was the light. That was the part of that Damascus experience where he named me La Luz. The light is, um, what it means in Spanish, where I bring light into every dark, dead and dying thing. And then, um, he started showing me that I'm a refiner and developer of women. I help to pull things out of women. And I don't try to do it. I don't know how I do it. I can't tell you how I do it. But he's showing me, he's shown me that about me. And so I'm just trusting him to continue to do whatever he does to get me to do it so that more women can be impacted. So these these experiences, just like this interview, for me, it's just, I'm having an authentic interaction with a beautiful woman, you know, having having a conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's, just, it's always like that. I love it. Thank I can't you. thank you enough for coming and um, sharing your story, sharing your light. Um, and I, I know that there mm-hmm. there's so much more to come. I mean, I'm I'm when I heard about the tour and your first now your in first Charlotte. stop in May yes, is it in North Carolina mm-hmm. or are you going? It's in Charlotte. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, we got it. We got to talk off air because I definitely want to try to make that. I totally believe in you. you and everything that you're doing. And I, you know, I, I always thank God when I'm connected to other women, other men that matter who are of service. Mm-hmm. People are so different. They're so multifaceted, and we need yes. an army of us out there doing this work because you never know who a person will connect with the fact that you're going to be on the grind to find when this episode airs if there's somebody that I'm not connecting with yes. in one way well then mm-hmm. now they have Keisha Carter they have hey girl you got this and everything else that yes. you're doing you know so that's what it's all about having a community in which we can do this work yes. and, and connect to as many people as we possibly can so I thank Absolutely. you so much for coming by to visit me everybody the beautiful anointed <laughs> fighter that they call Keisha Laluz Carter now listen here's the thing you can't leave here and not tell people how to get well more we have um, the website you. is original hey girl you got this.com original 
HeyGirlYouGotThis.com. We are also on social media platforms at HeyGirlYouGotThis. So we're on, um, we have Facebook, Instagram, not quite Twitter, but we have it. <laughs> Just haven't really explored it too much. And we have a private Facebook group for women. And it's a safe space to bring the heat, H-E-A-T, hope, empowerment, affirmation, and transformation. And it's a safe space where we get together and um, on video, off video, and also um, where you can learn about other events and things like that. So those are some ways that you can connect and find out what what we have going on. Absolutely. And anybody listening, if you log on to thegrindtofind.com, all of those links will be right up under this episode. <laughs> because, I mean, if you're driving, you're working out, and you want to connect, I want you to be able to just click And we can't and forget right about there. the place where it started, right? And on Clubhouse. So I want Clubhouse to <laughs> look for the Hey Girl, You Got This Club. Right. And you can see Absolutely. what we have going on. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to make sure all of those links are there. You bet your bottom dollar. Keisha mm-hmm. Carter, thank you so much for stopping by. And Absolutely. Uh, can, can I have you again at some Absolutely, point? Absolutely, without a doubt. <laughs> okay. I would love it. Well, that is it for content. I'm telling you, I love, 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 love what I do. And I love when I have the opportunity to share uh, someone with you all that has had an experience that I believe can add some perspective to those of us who are listening. Because that's exactly what happened to me uh, when going through this interview with uh, Keisha. So I hope that this interview has blessed you in the way that it did me. And uh, there's so much more to come, people. There's so much more to come. I thank God that this, uh, what it is that I'm doing with this podcast and within my business was his will for my life. Because I'm telling you, I got to give it to you, God. You know me so much better than I know myself. It's, 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 It's such a blessing. It is so much fun. But anyway, if you haven't already, you know what to do. Log on to thegrindtofind.com and click on feeds. You can follow me. If you'd like some extra behind the scenes tea, then you're definitely going to want to join the list. And I have to mention that The Grind to Find is sponsored in part by tarolynmichelle.com where you get curated services to help you to scale the spiritual mindset for your life. If you need a way to get yourself reset so that you can move forward with clarity, with confidence, with vision, with purpose, and with assurity in who you are, then definitely reach out to me at terrellandmichelle.com. You can get that link right from The Grind to Find, and uh, there's introductory services for new clients. So I look forward to connecting with you very soon. In the meantime, in between time, go about your weekend and into the week excited about what's next for you and your life with God. Any challenge that you're in the middle of now, it is just a piece of what God is using to refine you for the next level of your life. So embrace it, enjoy it, and no matter what, always define your grind and never let the grind define you. Carol and Michelle here. Until next time, peace and abundant blessings.